Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Grassroots Church Roundtable Podcast, a podcast that is simply a discussion between a couple of local church leaders. Today we're going to be talking about persecution and endurance, but until then, I am the A-game, Adam Bailey, an elder of Grassroots Church here in Lewisburg, West Virginia, joined again by the main man himself, the lead elder of Grassroots Church, totally rocking that Cleveland long sleeve. T- is that a, would you call that a t-shirt? What type of shirt would you call that? I have no idea. Man, it's just good. It's like one of those comfy. athletic shirts, like the spandex types. Yeah. I bet I'd look good in it. <laughs> it's comfy. I do like uh, Cleveland's colors, though. I got to give them credit. Being new to baseball and just looking at the different stadiums, different, well, the field, the ballparks, their layouts, and all the different jerseys. I got to say, Cleveland's up there with some of their jersey combinations. I have always liked Obviously, the Indians, now Guardians, uh, jerseys. Um, I The only thing I don't like about the new ones is the Guardians, that baseball with the little wings on the side. I don't like that. But I have always loved the simplicity of the Browns jerseys. No logo. It's no. That's just, about all you can say. I mean, it's not aesthetically pleasing to view. Well, aesthetically pleasing? It's not It's not good to look at, <laughs> but it's simple. Well, typically, neither's the team, but. Oh, oh. I told you what they did to me in Madden. Well, I got ripped apart by, by the daggone Browns. And do, we play, do we play Green Bay this year? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't really been paying too much attention to the schedule. All I know is that the Brewers have a really cool. Uh, uniform, their jerseys, the blue and yellow. That's nice. I like the one they usually wear. It's pinstripes. I like those. But the best, the best MLB jersey, the best colors have to go to the Mets. I love how New York does that. The Nets and the Knicks have kind of the same style of jerseys. I like that. I like when a city is united. Darren, they're all on the same page. Brooklyn and the Yankees. Both black and white. Blah, 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 blah. Brooklyn and the Yankees. Hey, get your Yankees out of here. Well, friends, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being super kind during our fair review. I made a prediction and it came true. Never claimed to be a prophet, but I said on the podcast the fact that you and I rated uh, the Buffalo Chicken Bombs low and the Pizza High. I was going to give music to it, but never mind. Oh, you want me to back up again? No, go ahead. No, play the music. No. Okay. Okay, maybe. Okay, let me restart. (coughs) Hold on, hold on. Red leather, yellow leather. Just give me the countdown, Chief. I'm almost there, sorry. I I wanted a different song. There's a particular song. Are you playing the song in regards to my comments on our fair review? Go ahead. So I made a prediction. Last week I said that the Buffalo Chicken Bombs are going to win the contest because you and I go upstream, man. Everybody goes downstream. We're going upstream. We had them rated pretty low, and then they won. But I called it, and I want to say that I want to recount. I don't accept the results. I think that there was some politicking happening behind the scenes because it makes no sense to me. There's no way that that Buffalo Chicken Bomb could even hold a candle, could even be in the same room as either one of those pizzas, all three of the pizzas. So thank you all for being fair to our fair review. Hey, West Virginia, we'll see you next summer. See you in 23. Okay, wow. I got a little into it there for a second. What musical do that? I don't know where I ended up, Darren. What was that? 
I don't know. I don't know what hand gestures I was making either. What was that? Just your thug life coming out. <laughs> I am making gun gestures at you. Turn that off. Pew, pew. So we, Kelly surmised, or maybe you did, but I know she said it too. We'll see if you said it. We'll know who said it first. That the jalapeno popper pizza, one of the things that did not play into their favor was their location. They were on the opposite side of the other gate, whereas everybody else was over in the main, like the Dorito Pizza was literally the first food truck you come to when you walk in the main gate. Um, and then the other ones were in like the main concourse area, like the all that, where all the food and everybody goes. So I don't know if that, but. I don't know because there is an entrance right there, like the staff entrance that people come across. So I, I still get a fair share. I, I think you'd be more successful being in either entrance, whether it be the main gate or the staff entrance on the FBC side of, you know, the. It's just not that the, way. So as long as you have food in one of those entrances, it would be worse if you're in the middle, you'd think, which is where the buffalo chicken bombs were. Well, but that's like they were put right next to the cinnamon roll where the shows were, you know, that come some of the free shows and uh, where everybody kind of goes for the food right there in that area. The other one's the free parking. I don't know. I don't know. It just (sighs) I don't see how that happened, but definitely jalapeno popper pizza. I want to recap. No, I can't. I won. We won. The jalapeno popper pizza won. So good. And there are documents hidden away in a lockbox in a food truck that says that, but no one else. Okay, I better stop. Have you been following no. legal politics stuff? Nope. Good. Then I'll digress right there. GrassrootsWV.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Darren, would you be so kind as to pull up Matthew chapter 5? We are going to be reading verses 10 through 12 today, the last segment the last part of our beatitude series which by the way do you watch um you ever watch the show it's on netflix lock and key no you told me about it but i've never Dude, watched you gotta it. go watch it. it it just it had its third and final season isn't it kind of creepy allegedly or yeah, parts of it but it's a really cool prim- of course it's another show that came from a graphic novel type but there's a scene in it. it's kind of an emotional scene and that song i was just playing was what the song that was playing in the show And I remember just listening to it. It's kind of an impactful moment in the show. But I was like, man, I really like this song. I'm going to look it up. Of all people, I don't even know if you'll remember this name, but it's the name of a band I hadn't heard this name in years, and that's who sings that song. Do you remember the band Jimmy Eat World? Oh, I love Jimmy Eat World. That's who that was. Really? Yep. Man, they've... they've Okay, Jimmy World is interesting, and I I realize this with a lot of bands. In high school and college, there were some bands like Jimmy Eat World that uh, just never a big fan of, especially with the song called The Middle, Jimmy Eat World. I I do not like that song. But it's kind of hard to dissociate them from the song because it's their most popular one. But as I mature in life, going back and listening to some of those older songs from like All Time Low or Jimmy Eat World, I love punk pop. I, I uh, what do you sharpen my teeth on punk pop back in the day, but uh, Jimmy World is one of the bands now where their songs will pop up and I'm like that's good. They look like a bunch of accountants. If you ever watch any of their live shows, it looks like they just clocked out from their office jobs and went and <laughs> rocked out. Well, that song right there is called Hear, "Hear You Me," and it it seems like it's a song about um, like a, almost like a friend that's been lost, like 
who's passed or something like that, and they were like, I had things I need to tell you, but now I'll never have the chance. Mm. Uh, and then he, he says, my angels lead you in. He's talking about, hey, you know, basically good luck. You know, hope, hopefully you. In the song? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's good. That's I can't remember the name of the song off the top of my head. It's on my A-game playlist, the one I keep telling you about, that I love this. So, friends, what I do, uh, I listen to a ton of different music all day long, all night long. Party, no, I'm kidding, not all night long. But I am up quite a bit these days, early at least. But whenever I have a song that I like, I will screenshot it. And I'll do that for about a month. And then about once a month, I will go back into my screenshots and then add that song to what I call the A-game playlist. So basically, I've got like 15 hours of music, and it's all perfect for me. But there are two Jimmy World songs. One of them, I, I can't remember the name of it, but it like this awesome line. It was talking about basically, you know, he being what looks like an accountant, just being blessed in life. But there's this line, I'll accept with poise, with grace, when they call my name from the lottery. It's like, man, that's cool. Humble yourself, Jimmy. I don't know <laughs> where we're going with that. We're talking about the Beatitudes today. Yes. I got that in front of you, Darren. Let me give a little little tiny baby introduction. Do it. Final introduction to the Beatitudes. And then if you don't mind reading that, that'd be suave. But in Matthew chapter 5, we read about what is titled the Beatitudes. Uh, the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he is for the first time by the Spirit, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, that the kingdom of heaven is here, and it's coming, and it is him, and it is his ministry. And he's giving qualities of those citizens of that upside-down, revolutionary, different type of kingdom. So instead of saying, hey, this kingdom is run by super awesome, strong people, no, he's saying, like, blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who... Um, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Uh, those are the ones that are going to be engaging and benefiting from being in my kingdom. Not who you would think at first, uh, but those that are blessed in me, that are in me, the weak, the downtrodden, the broken, the weary. Uh, and Jesus ends talking about persecution. So the whole purpose behind this again, this is Jesus at the beginning of his preaching ministry talking about the characteristics of the citizens of his kingdom, why they are blessed in that kingdom. I think that pretty much. I don't know if we said it that way before, but that's my best shot, Darren, off the top of my head. You can fill in if you want, but when you're ready, you can read Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Here we go. Reading out of the ESE, of course. Uh, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. As I was saying, Jesus and his revolutionary, upside-down, unique thinking starts off this by saying, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. So if you just take that first phrase, blessed are those who are persecuted, completely different already than what the world would say. Because how could someone be fulfilled? How can someone be satisfied, have all their desires met? Blessed are the people. Like, happy is the person who is persecuted? Because who wants to be persecuted? Who, when someone doesn't like them, feels like they're being blessed? Like, we live in a people-pleasing society, and we expect everyone to treat us the way that we expect them to treat us. Like, we have a certain view of ourselves. But Jesus comes out from 
the beginning saying like, no, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, blessed are those who everybody likes. Blessed are those that make everybody smile all the time. Blessed are those that has the most friends on Facebook. Blessed are those that became prom king and queen. Shall I go forward? You're over there just like with your arms crossed looking at me. I don't know if I'm trotting into bad water here because no, I will preach I'm, this sermon, brother. I will preach this sermon. I'm, I'm, I'm contemplating <clears throat> because I, there's parts of our society that would say if bad things are happening to you, it's because you're doing bad things. Okay. I, I want to, I've been, that's been on my mind a lot too, Darren. I actually posted something on Facebook about it. I said, grace is greater than karma. Because how often do you live your life? It's like, I'm going to do nice things because then nice things will happen. Or if something bad happens, it's like, oh, no, I messed up. No. I mean, could not be that at all. But anyway, I digress. Grace is greater than karma. And that's, thinking about this, I think there are portions of our society that would say, if bad things are happening, it's because you're doing bad things. Uh, if you would put better energy out there into the world, if you would have... Um, a kinder attitude about yourself, better things would happen. Um, and so when we see this verse saying, oh, if if you're living this Christian life, hey, you know, count it a blessing. You'll be happy when you're persecuted. Uh, I think that's one portion of it. The part that I was sitting here kind of contemplating um, and trying to figure out I do think there's a portion of our society, though, that's like, if anything's worth achieving, pursuing, anything like that, you're going to have to go through hardship to get it. Uh, the person who does CrossFit doesn't say, yeah, easiest thing I ever did to get in shape like this through CrossFit. Nobody says that. Um, but they're like, but the pain I endure in the midst of it is worth being physically fit. Uh, the person who you know, maybe is in a tough relationship um, would say going through the hardships of the relationship is worth, you know, a better relationship on the other side. Uh, and, and I think there's some legitimacy to that, but I don't, I don't think we should apply that to this passage. Because if you think about it, like, well, the persecution is worth it in order to receive on the other side heaven. It's we're not enduring persecution in order to prove anything to God. It's like the more you suffer, the more it shows you, you really, really care. care. Which you know that was in my sermon Sunday. Oh, was it? Totally. <laughs> totally. Offspring totally made. Which by the way we spend too much time together. We're sitting in group one night. And I think it was Jerry brings up offspring. And Ryan goes, who? And, like, all of us 90s kids immediately, like, just look over at him and go, what did you just say? What, what did you just say? <laughs> like, we, we just couldn't believe it. Now, he ended up, he knew some songs by them, just didn't know the band. But that, that made it into... Uh, <laughs> My my sermon there Sunday. It's funny because I have not listened to the sermon. I went to check it out yesterday not, and it was not uploaded yet. I promise I'll I'll get it there today. Oh, no, you're good. I think I I think I get it. You're gonna mow today, so you have to listen to it. 
crud. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. I'm going to text you at Darn. the end of the day. How was no, it? No, 4 a.m. Remember, we talked about it. Oh, that's right. That's um, probably when I listen to it tomorrow morning. I can't sleep. Take a playbook. <laughs> take a play out of uh, Emma's playbook. Did you say take? No, I'm not even going to say Go ahead. Take a play? Nope. I was going to say something else. I'm not going to do. What did I say? You, you totally said it right, but I was going to. Oh, well, that's all, the, that's I was all that matters. Mess it up. That's all that matters. <laughs> I'm right. You're wrong. Just, but, yeah. It, it's. I am going to text you later and see if you listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to. I will listen to it. Yeah. Um, I told you, I like to walk that walk with you. Read the same commentaries and stuff as you're preparing. It helps. I feel like I know you so. Like, it's it's weird sometimes. You, you The, the well, yeah, no, um, process behind it. Yeah, um, all about that process, brah. But that's what. Uh, we're in we're in Colossians, and uh, I, I finished preaching Colossians one this past week, and what it what it was ta- what we're talking about in there was um, Paul was undergoing uh, suffering, but it was for two purposes. One was for the sake of the gospel, and two was for the sake of the growth of the church. And that and by growth we mean maturity, not growth numbers. That's the gospel part, but growth and maturity. And we said that his his persecution, his suffering was not in order to prove devotion. Uh, it wasn't to prove to God, look, look, God, look how earnest I am at this. Look how uh, devoted I am to you. Don't you love me? And, and that's what I want to make sure that we don't take away from this. Blessed are those who, who suffer and are persecuted. Yeah, just to take a few minutes, because there's a lot here. We're covering those three verses. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake as well. It's not just those who, not just for anybody. Like if you're out in the day and someone is rude to you or makes you feel bad in, in some way, if that persecution is not coming from righteousness' sake, then it is not what Jesus is talking about. Because we can do things to bring persecution upon ourselves. And there are some social norms. Like, for example, for example, I think inside and outside the church, if I were to have four girlfriends at one time, it would just look bad all the way around. It's, it is an unrighteous deed. And there are going to be some consequences, practically, emotionally, physically. That's that a different level of that. suffering. You get what I'm a... saying? Like, we can't do something wrong and then have negative social or cultural imp- uh, consequences and be like, oh, I'm suffering. It's like, uh, we're talking about for righteousness sake, whenever somebody brings, you know, the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. God's kingdom, it's, it's in us, it's in our hearts. We do bear Jesus's righteousness. He traded us. He took on our sin. We took on his righteousness. And um, uh, Matt Chandler in on his series was talking about that by a true born-again, Jesus-loving, believing Christian. Just to walk into a room, their mere presence representing the rightness of God. It that light shines in the shadows of people's hearts and they they pick up on it. So we're not talking about you're doing something wrong and now you got to pay for it socially and culturally. Uh, it's more like, you know, telling your friend uh, or or okay, for for example, someone who's really popular that likes to go party a lot, that's about drinking a lot, partying a lot for them to realize, "Wait, this is wrong. I need to stop this." Like, Jesus, help help me with this. Hey, friends, I'm not going to do this anymore because I struggle with alcohol. I'm a believer now. And then they get cut out from their friend circle from making that commitment mm-hmm. to Christ. Like, that righteous, that representation of Christ's rightness. Yeah. Being persecuted for that. Like, Which, oh, you think you're better than us, so you're not hanging out with us anymore? Sober boy? And, like, that, that's persecution. Which, real quick, 
listening to Matt Chandler, how long did it take you to realize it's like 12 years old, that Colossians series? I like his series so much better than I like his sermons. His series, he's so, so more softer spoken, easier to follow. His sermons are, I don't know. But that not, Colossians. Not like that. Is, is good. That Colossians series of his is like 12 years old. And Way to hold up well, Matt. I mean. And Kelly and I, I was listening to it on our way to North Carolina because she was, she was actually falling asleep. The boys were playing games. I was like, I'm going to listen to, you know, the sermon. And she, so she just kind of started listening as she was falling asleep. And, she was, and finally she goes, is his cancer back? Because he was talking about his cancer. And I was like, no, this is from when he had cancer. <laughs> so she was like, oh. She was like, I thought he had it. You know, she, he was talking about it so much. And, you know. But, um, yeah, I, there's definitely a, an understanding here of knowing what suffering is and what suffering isn't. Um, and, and you had great examples. One that I would give is uh, if, I, if I physically abuse my wife and get arrested, I'm not being persecuted by the police. <laughs> exactly. I'm, yeah, I'm not being persecuted by the court system for being uh, sentenced to jail time. Like that's you punch justice. somebody in the face, they turn around, punch you in the face even harder, and break your nose. You can't say I'm being persecuted because yeah, my that's, nose got That's broken. not suffering. Um, but also, I want to make sure too. Our our good friend Alan calls them jerks for Jesus. Uh, I thought about this uh, last week in preparing for the sermon. I didn't end up using it, but um, when I was at First Baptist Fairly as youth pastor, the senior pastor calls me into his office, and he goes, hey, I want you to listen to this message that we got uh, on the phone. I was like, okay. And he plays it, and it's this lady who is irate. She is she is not happy. And I'm kind of glad she got the answer machine because none of us would have wanted to, like, have to sit there and listen to this. A guy from the church had decided he wanted to be more involved in evangelism, which is awesome. It's literally a God-given mandate to the church. But his way of doing that was to go to Kroger, find people shopping, engage them with the gospel, and then follow them around the store, whether they wanted to hear it or not. I wonder if he broke it down like he had more successful conversions in particular aisles. Like, man, when people were buying milk, oh, 100% of the time, got them to the Lord. But, man, when they're Well, that's easy because like, you like that goods, milk? How about oh. milk of the word? Oh, yeah, you like you that need bread? Meat. You need you like that bread? You need some bread of life. Oh, you like meat. <laughs> <laughs> you got the good stuff. Um, and this lady was like, I, I didn't ask for this. He wouldn't leave me alone. And he even followed me to my car. Like, she was irate. And to be, I'm like, obviously, I'm on the, the side of share the gospel, but I'm like on the side of the lady going, dude, you're being an idiot. Yeah, I'm on the side of be the gospel. Like, show people what the gospel means. Try your best. But, but following somebody around when they're, when they're like, hey, I didn't ask you to share this with me. I don't want to hear it. And you just continue to badger them with the, 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 to the point that they call the church going, who is this guy? If I see him again, I'm calling the cops. Her calling us or talking to him or the cops can go, that's not suffering for Jesus. That's not persecution. That's you're being an idiot. Stop being an idiot. When you look at these verses, what you said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for doing something that is right in the eyes of God, even though it's wrong in the eyes of man. Now, some people might look at that situation at the grocery store and go, listen, 
it's right in the eyes of God to share the gospel. Yes, but understanding that we're not going to win anybody to the gospel by beating them over the head with it. If they reject and walk away, then you go, okay, Lord, I, I hope I've planted a, a seed that you can grow later. But then we we move on, okay, to the next person. And it says, blessed when you uh, when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And it's because, hey, I stand for Jesus and for his truth and for his glory, and people want to just absolutely destroy you because of it. Now we're into the part yeah, of this is behind real your suffering. back. Have you ever been called sexist, bigoted? <laughs> we were told once that because of our stance we were taking towards um, abuse, actually, like we were contributing to abuse itself at one point. It's like, and the male and people toxic. think that, yeah, we're toxic male, like guy, masculinity, toxic, toxic masculinity. masculinity, yeah, toxic dudes, but. And, you know, which it does hurt us. Like, we try. And, you know, we know each other. We keep each other accountable. And it's like, I know your heart, you know mine. And we'll have a conversation. being like, and this is what we can do, like, for for certain ministries, certain folks, uh, particularly the ladies of grassroots, and we want to help be then someone to hear from outside. And, you know, there's a pocket of people out there that think that we are bigoted, sexist, toxic masculinity, something because of association. They're, talk, they're behind our backs probably talking out. I'll not know about it. But, you know, standing for Christ's righteousness and what, you know, the Bible says about how we're supposed to conduct ourselves, what it says about sexuality, what it says about marriage, upholding that, people don't like it. It's like you get called a sexist or a bigot, and it's like, you don't even know me. I didn't, and I disagree. I totally, I am 100% nothing. But that's what, when we look at this and say, you know, when they revile, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely, it's they're saying things about us that aren't true, but it's because we stand on God's word. And, and the beautiful part about it, too, there's so much encouragement in those passages as well. You know, later on it says that, uh, if you can read that right there in chapter 12, you know, it's talking about, like, the prophets were persecuted, like yeah. Christians are persecuted. So we're in very unique companies. So Do you think they can hear that? Darren, you don't need to. I, I was going to say something. What is with today? There are so many jokes I, or comments I want to make. That just, just in case anybody's wondering, I was filling up my cup with, with mead. Diet Pepsi. Mead. Not, I was not peeing. Darren, I know you love being a lead elder, but does your cup have to look literally like a throne? I'm kidding. <laughs> it's my 829 cup, man. The iron throat. But there is a lot of encouragement, and it does group those that are persecuted in with the prophets. And if you think about it, throughout Scripture, the prophets, the uh, disciples, Jesus himself set in the example, the children of Israel were always undergoing some type of persecution. And we do suffer. The suffering's not for us. We have hope in what is to come. It's like if, if we are being persecuted, if we're being slandered and reviled behind our backs— let people think what they want because in the end, on the other on the other side of glory, on the other side of this life, we're, we're in the kingdom permanently. And that, that's where our hope lies, not in necessarily other people's personal opinions of us. But suffering, persecution, it's not for us. And I think that's something else that, you know, we do. And you, you talked about it, like Paul suffering for the gospel and for the church. It's like if, if I'm, okay, for example, if I'm at work one day, and somebody gets mad at me and just 
chews me out, yelling at me in front of everybody. Now, my instinct is going to be self-loathing and self-hate for, at first, but then I'll eventually come to my senses and be like, okay, that's the way you feel. Anyway, just talking to someone, and it hurts. My feelings are crushed. I feel terrible about myself, but I want to forgive them, and I'm going to treat them the same way I would had they not said that because that's what I do. That's what Christians say we're supposed to do. Other people see that. Like, wait, you can actually get along with the person who actually thinks that way about you? It's like, yes, because Jesus forgives me. You can be reconciled with people in, in, in spite of all that. Other people see that. Me being persecuted in that situation is to the benefit of the bystander. It's to someone else's benefit. And so I think persecution, it, like we're selfish with it sometimes. Like, I want to be persecuted so I can grow and show how awesome of a Christian. It's like, no, 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 no. Persecution is for his righteousness sake, his name's sake. It's for people to see him and me. Yeah, we shouldn't be seeking out persecution. We should be seeking Christ and his kingdom. Uh, and in doing that, we, persecution will find us. Um, I, I think a good example, because a lot of people, for some, I think the reaction to persecution might be, or, or to getting yelled at or something like that, might be self-loathing. It might be pity. Um, others will be to lash out, mm-hmm. you know, to lash back, to be justified, you know. And a couple things to remember. One, uh, Peter talks about it, uh, Paul talks about it, and Jesus talks about it, that um, persecution, suffering, these things happen, and they're in God's design. Like God is the one allowing this suffering to come, and it is doing something in us. It is working maturity. It is working steadfastness. It is we are able to uh, kind of like the person who starts CrossFit and they can't go through the program as long and as, uh, you know, fully hearted into it as they can a year later because they've built that um, – What's that word? Endurance. Stamina. Endurance. They built that endurance to, to go through that. And so when we first encounter persecution, a lot of times we're not going to be able to go through it. In fact, Jesus in the parable of the sower said that hardship comes, and it's going to show some people were never actually believers to begin with, that those roots didn't run deep. They dry up. They wither away. It, it would have seemed like they were, but because of persecution, it shows they weren't. And then uh, moving forward, those that are true believers – continue to endure, and it strengthens them in that endurance. Uh, And so we want to remember that persecution is not necessarily a punishment from God. It's God's sovereign will. And Darren, that's a good point as well. If it was as some sadly in the U.S. claim it to be, I'm going to pick on the prosperity gospel again, but uh, hey, please com- do convert to Christianity and everything you want will happen. All your material wants, your material wants and needs, like everything, everything you want will happen. And people are going to see how perfect your life is and they're going to want what you have, uh, which is just terrible. Everything, because what is better is looking at someone and how they live their life. Man, they're always happy and things are not going well. Like, man, these terrible things happen to this person. But yet they have joy and they keep moving on. That's supernatural. So Christianity, what Jesus offers is not, hey, perfect life right now. It's going to be smooth sailing and everything will be fine. It's something better. It's like whenever you 
whenever you are hurt, whenever bad circumstances do fall upon you, I will sustain you through that. And people will see me working through that in your life. And then they want that. Because bad times are going to happen. Like it's just, that's just the way life is life. So it's so much better than saying everything's going to be perfect forever and you'll never be in any pain to be like, no, actually every day is going to have its own struggle. Some, I mean, we're not outside getting our heads chopped off for being Christians, but there are certain levels, varying degrees of persecution and people see that. And whenever Christians are struggling or not struggling, whenever they're going through a difficult situation, but to be able to maintain joy and hope and peace and still love others and still serve others through that, people see that. That's a superpower that only comes from the Spirit and is profound within the kingdom. Do you know, one of the problems is, and this includes you and I uh, in this lump of people, is we don't know what it actually means to be, to be persecuted. By and large in our country, and we've talked about this in the past, being a Christian has actually progressed you in uh, your family, in your career, in your social status. Whereas historically, it's, it's actually been a detriment. You lose family. You lose status. Uh, over in India, of course, you know the, the caste system over there where you're just, you're in your level, and that's basically where you belong. Christians are so low on the, the totem pole, so to speak, there. Um, they're so low on the ladder that uh, I was reading a, a testimony from a guy that his job as a Christian, the only job he can get is to climb into the sewers every day and clean them out. And he doesn't have access to certain amenities. And so basically all day, every day, he smells like a sewer. So he is like the worst of the worst over there. But he says, this is how God has chosen for me to survive and to live out his kingdom here. And it's like, in other parts of the world, being a Christian does not progress you, it digresses you in the eyes of the society and things like that. In, you know, the Middle East, your family casts you out, if not kills you. Uh, you know, it, it, even historically in England, um, you know, if you were Christian and not Catholic, you were going to be persecuted. And then, of course, in the early church days. So, so suffering to us, we always say, I'm suffering, therefore I must have sin in my life. And, and then we have to look at why are we suffering and what is the suffering? Because persecution comes because we're living for God's glory. And he's going to use that for his glory and our good and furthering the kingdom. So when we look at it, we have to understand that it's, man, we just haven't suffered. And I think a lot of people want to protect a certain way of life in this country because, well, if, if we don't protect it, then I'm going to be persecuted. And as Christians, we shouldn't be persecuted. We're guaranteed persecution. We're you, guaranteed suffering. And because it's so dependent on the individual for this, thinking about suffering and persecution, if people are interpreting it differently... Okay, for example, like I'm just going to use, we brought it up on the podcast before, so I think I'm good with doing this, like my, my battles with cancer back in the day. 
during that time, it, it was difficult, but I never thought, man, I'm being like, God, like I'm being persecuted here because of health and something. It just never really crossed my mind. I did not have a terrible time on chemo and undergoing treatments and stuff, something like that. But someone else might see that uh, particular time of my life and think, oh my gosh, look at all you went through. Like, that would bring me down. Like, that would bring me down. How does someone, do, what, how, how would someone go about doing that? Because one person interprets that as like, oh my gosh, that situation they just went through, that would break me. But, but for the person actually going through it, it's like, oh, it's, it's totally cool. So I wonder how much of like, I haven't been persecuted. It's like, no, we are, but because of the hope and joy we have in the gospel, it doesn't really have too much of an effect. It's like, yeah, if you have to take six months out of school, not do school to do chemo, but it is what it is. Someone else would see that and be like, oh my gosh, how would anybody do that? You know, th- and I look at someone else's life and be like, oh my goodness, how did you read that book in a day? I don't have good vision. I'm a slow reader because of it. Be like, that would be terrible to sit down for that long read a book. And for other people, it's like, oh, yeah, really, it's nothing. It's easy to see and read. I think we need to, for our sake, because uh, in Scripture, I can point out Scripture, it uses the same word in here, but um, for our sake, we need to separate persecution and suffering. Um, persecution is what we're talking about right now. Things are happening to us because we are living out the life God has called us to live out as Christians, as the church. Suffering is a, a cancer diagnosis. Okay, that's you don't get a cancer diagnosis because you're living out the life God's called you to live. I don't know. You know, but I don't know. No, we kidding. think about Paul in First Corinthians when he says, "Hey, some of y'all are sick." And some of you have even died because you've taken communion wrongly. You've not done this the way you're supposed to with a repent, uh, a repentance, and um, with unity in the church. You know he goes into that. So, so persecution and suffering for the sake of this conversation, I think, needs to be separated. There are times we suffer because God is disciplining us, but the point of the discipline is to draw us back to him. It's not to push us further away. It's to draw us back to him. And that's why Paul even says, hey, uh, this person in the church that's living in sin, cast them out of the church and turn them over to Satan so they will repent and come back. He says, hey, let Satan destroy his flesh for the saving of his soul. So it's like there, there's two avenues here of persecution because we're living it out, suffering. Sometimes the suffering is because God is disciplining us. Uh, sometimes the suffering is because persecution. Um, and so, but I think you said it there, and this is what Jesus ends with in this, is, you know, when you're persecuted, uh, when you're reviled, when things speak uh, are spoken evilly of you falsely. He said, rejoice and be glad for great is your reward in heaven. Um, we don't suffer persecution in order to build treasures in heaven, but because of the hope, Jesus, we have in heaven, we endure persecution because we recognize, we're like, God, this life is over so quick. This life is gone so quick. So Rowan starts kindergarten this year. Yes, sir. <coughs> Let me uh, try that again. So <coughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. So uh, Rowan starts kindergarten this year? Oh, uh, yes, sir. Ah, good to hear. Um, I remember walking Luke to kindergarten. 
And a couple weeks ago, I walked him into his dorm at college. And it doesn't feel like it's been very long at all. And time's up. Um, so knowing that, when we look at persecution, man, it feels like it's never going to end at times. Uh, suffering feels like it's never, but man, this life is so quick. And so it, it does, it, it, it goes quick. And, and all that to say, how do we then respond to this, the suffering and the persecution? Because this goes back to the jerks for Jesus thing. I want to just very quickly recap the Beatitudes. Okay. Uh, poor in spirit. Okay. That's not the guy who follows somebody around berating them with the gospel. Okay. Um, blessed are those who mourn. Okay. We talked about that. Uh, it is a a broken heartedness over our own sin and the sin of others. That's not somebody who, because they won't listen to me. I remember going to a, a mall one time and evangelizing with a buddy of mine, a big evangelist guy. And this this one group of teenagers didn't really want to listen to him. And we're walking away. As we're walking away, he's just going to these hard-hearted, arrogant people. God will show them. And I'm like, were you... Did you want them to come to know Jesus? Because you really don't sound like it right now. It's like, that doesn't sound like somebody who mourns over the sin of others. Um, blessed are the meek, okay, to the person who wants to, you know, sit out there with a sign and picket. <laughs> Perhaps the, you know, the funeral of a dead soldier, you know, who's claiming Christianity, they want to picket that. That doesn't sound meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, blessed are the merciful, okay? So when we are hit with persecution, if our immediate response is, I'm going to return to you what you're giving me, that's not the merciful, okay? Uh, blessed are the pure in heart. All right, and then this one, blessed are the peacemakers. When we're persecuted, is our goal to escape the persecution or do we want to make peace with the gospel, with our persecutor? Uh, this reminds me, of a story from a book I read about a nurse um, who, uh, decades later, she had been in um, a Nazi concentration camp as a child, um, and and then a little bit older. And now, having been rescued from that, she was a nurse, and she was called in to care for uh, a man who was on his deathbed, uh, which... <laughs> to lighten the mood here a little bit because it feels like it's gotten a little bit heavy. Uh, I saw the clip the other day where Michael Scott's like, on my deathbed, which, by the way, never made sense to me. Why would anybody want to buy a bed just to die on? But um, <laughs> I love that show. Uh, so she's called in to care for him and, and come to find out he was one of the soldiers who had been over her at the concentration camp. And she was now a believer. She had the chance for revenge. Or she had the chance to be a peacemaker. She instead chose to forgive him and to share the gospel with him. Okay, that's how you respond to persecution, to suffering. That's, that's the Beatitudes.
that's the upside down kingdom. Yeah, then people see that and they like, what? Yeah. And some people, when you return that, they're gonna hate you even more. They are abs it's gonna just absolutely fire them up even more because they don't get it. Like it doesn't make sense. They want fired back at so they can fire back at you and hate you more. And you're just like, man, I know you hate me, but I really love you. Uh, Jesus died for us in this way um, because he loves us. And they just want to hit you even more with more hate. And it's like, you know, hey, can I serve you in some way? <laughs> it's, it's almost like I feel like would they're going to be would like, you, would you like would a cup you of just water? Stop it? Yeah. Miss Smith, would you like a cup of water? Calm down a little bit. But there is always, there is always hope in Christ now and on the other side. We have been given promises that in him we can endure anything, anything put in front of us. Everything has been pre-planned according to his perfect sovereign will. It's like just trusting him to, one, get us through the struggles of every day, the, the persecution, no matter how big or small, on every, I don't know, like an individually day basis, but also knowing that in the end we win. Like in the end it's okay. In the end we get everything that we could ever imagine, all because of his grace and goodness. And that alone should carry us through. It's almost like the chicken and the egg thing. It's like you experience more of Christ during persecute times of persecution and suffering, which helps you better understand the kingdom. But having hope in the upcoming kingdom actually strengthens and emboldens you to get through these trials of the day, which makes you even stronger, or it makes you even or know even more about the upcoming kingdom. You know what I'm saying? Like that constant. I'm, I'm laughing because it, rem- it <laughs> reminded me. I had a, a guy, he was young. I, he might have been 19 at the time. He came, he came to me. He was, he was broken. Like physically, you could see in him, he was, he was broken. And I was like, man, this guy's really struggling. And he was like, can I talk to you? I'm like, absolutely. And he, <laughs> dude, I'm sorry. It's, it's so humorous now to look back on. This has been years ago. And he told me, he said, I want to be friends the way you and Jimmy are friends. Because you know Jimmy Banton, how close he and I are and, and as as dear friends. He goes, I want to be friends the way you and Jimmy are friends. And I was I was just taken aback because I thought this guy was seriously like something going on. But but his thing was I want to be friends with and it wasn't me, was it? No, 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 no. Um I said, do you know why Jimmy and I are such good friends? Because of the crap we've been through. 15-hour-long drives to take a guy to a rehab. You know, sleepless nights as we, as we pray through things and struggle through things. Um, the, Settling the your disputes on the court. Confrontations, yes. Yeah, it's like, do you know what we've been through in order to get to this depth you start of yelling friendship? at him, raise your voice, and say something? Oh, there's been many of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should have done to the guy who was auditioning for your best friend slot. Like, Bro, you think you could handle this? You want to be friends? <laughs> you want to be friendly? Can you take this? But past all those hardships, there's a depth of friendship there that even though Jimmy and I, Jimmy's at another church now in leadership there, I don't see him as often. But when we still come in contact, there's a depth of friendship there that will always be well, there. Well, what about this other individual? I don't. You just go in less with them and be like, hey, bro, let's go to Ukraine. I don't hardly ever see them anymore. Uh, what, and not what a because good I'm like, way to, way to go. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't like, well, this guy's weird. I'm out. But, but there is, that's what we go through this hardship. Um, in our Western society, we look at it as uh, pain is to be avoided and to get away from. But there's a 
depth of intimacy with the Lord that comes out of that. Um, and, and it can't be replaced. See, that's what I've learned, too, being a Christian in Scripture and in interpretation of truth. It's like as bad as something may seem, God's grace and power is just so much bigger. Like the Ten Commandments, I was talking about it a few weeks ago in a sermon. Don't bring it's Scripture like, into this. We can get a... It does. It upsets me. Like, I know in my heart I have harbored anger towards other people unnecessarily. I am a murderer in that situation. Mm. And that bothers. Like, no, no, I don't want to be murdered. Like, but the flip side of that is like, oh my gosh, I mess up all the time. I need a bunch of grace. It's like the more I realize the gravity of my own sins and my own shortcomings, just the bigger Christ and his glory seems. Mm. It's like, man, I need to do a better job of being upfront and honest. But man, good thing God is always upfront and honest. Whew. You know, do you get what I'm saying? It's yeah. like the more I feel, I'm at, a, I'm at a very good point in my faith to where it's like, oh, instead of like sin just crushing me and making me whine for a few days, it's like, oh man, I really screwed that up. But it's okay. God's grace is so much bigger. Huh. Like we can move on, wake up tomorrow, take a shower, get yourself some coffee. That's why the, the arrogant Christian is an oxymoron. The deeper you go with Christ, the more you realize your need for grace and mercy every single day. Every moment of every day, too. Yeah. It's like any, any moment I feel, you know, any moment that I'm not loving God with all my heart, my mind, my, my strength, it's like that is a sinful moment. Don't you just wish people would get on our level? I mean, gosh. Yeah. Admit it's a burden. Admit you stink. It's a burden. It's a burden being broken. <laughs> but, you know, in the end, there's always hope. And Christ. that's, yeah, the, the hope to side. come, man. The hope to come. Hope we, to we press on. Uh, that's why Paul said, hey, I've run my race. You know, I press on toward the prize. And, and it's always heaven is not the prize. Jesus is the prize. We get to hang out with him in glory, in perfection, in heaven. Wow. That's... And you can start that right now, today, mm. at mm. grassrootswv.com. <laughs> you sign up. There are we some good resources. You, we will send you a vial of our blessed water. Um, dude, there Coffee. is literally be like a shot of espresso. Listen, look up. I mean, you don't have to do right now, but Peter Popoff. Of all things, that's the dude's name. <laughs> Peter Popoff. You see his television program, and he has these little. Um, have you ever used a nebulizer? Yes. Okay. You know how you kind of break off the top little thing and then squeeze it and squirt the, yeah, the medicine. Vial, yeah. He'll send you, it's like that, but it's holy water. It's water he's blessed. Can, can you nebulize, nebulize <laughs> the holy water? Totally. <laughs> it does. I figured out the cure to asthma. <laughs> but that's like, if you send so much money to him, he sends you this little thing of holy water that comes from a certain spring that's been blessed or whatever. And Jacob's well. That's like, oh my gosh. But yeah. Uh, but you know what, Darren? If only we knew who Jesus was, we would be asking him for water. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, yeah. Again, bringing scripture into this, Adam. Gosh. I've been on a Jacob's Well kick, too. We, we were talking earlier at breakfast about uh, biblical archaeology, biblical history, stuff like that. Jacob's Well, allegedly where Jacob... Dra- <laughs> I'm smart like over here, but Jesus and his encounter with the Samaritan. Really, Which, really, really good story. Uh Go to Right Now Media and look up uh, the Bible unearthed. Uh, you know, I've, I've seen that. Dude, it's so good. Yeah, I'm deep down this archaeological big history uh, rabbit hole, and I love it too. But the guy that um, is the archaeologist on that wrote a book. And so maybe that's maybe. I a, love whenever a good read for you. a scientific discovery happens 
and it just affirms the truth of scripture even more. It's like there's an ancient civilization that was so powerful bef- that we didn't know of. It's like, yeah, Genesis 11, duh. That's the one I love is when when it came out a few it's been a number of years ago, but they were like they're like science has proven we can trace our ancestry back to a common ancestor and it's like, oh no, who'd have thought that? That's a fresh thought. <laughs> yeah. Dude, the hope we have in Jesus, the truth we have in Scripture, man. It, everyone's like trying to like solve. Everyone's so trying blessed. to make everything. The everyone's trying to make everything relate to each other. I see this online a lot, and people do it with the news. And sadly, they try to like sprinkle the Book of Revelation into it. But we see a news story, we watch it, and then another news story pops up, completely unrelated, but somehow we start connecting it. And then a third news story pop up, or the same phenomenon happens if someone just reads through headlines without reading through the articles. Like, you read the headline, hmm, go down to the next headline, hmm, two totally unrelated things, let me connect them. So suddenly you have these 10 headlines that you've not thoroughly read, and it's like, well, what can I come up with to connect all of these? Mm-hmm. Evolution, you know, and it's like, and the only unifying force in all of nature is, you know, the Spirit of God. I mean, we'll figure it out one day, and I'll know more about it one hey, day. Hey, I heard a guy preach recently. Yeah, um, yeah. The name of the guy doesn't matter. But, Never. Uh, but he preached on the supremacy of Christ and how mm. it is through Jesus everything was made, and because of Jesus everything is held together. Ooh. Good sermon. The field, man. I actually did give you a shout-out in my sermon this past Sunday because I was like, listen, I got two points, and they are not as cool as Adam's last week. They all started with an S, and mine <laughs> don't. And so, Oh, they didn't all start with an S. I uh, slurred. Uh. Dude, it was hard because it's so abstract. Everything, Every word in that passage was so beautiful and deep, and it's like I feel bad that I had to choose which ones to glaze over. Looking back, I would have liked to have broken that into two, but... It it flowed together so well when you're talking about the supremacy of Christ, the well, the sufficiency of Christ, that he was supreme, that he sustains, and that he saves. It's like good job, man. Dude, you did well, that was you did a really good job with it. I mean, Paul did pretty good. I just tried to make it make sense. Paul needs to get on your level. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I was gonna say? I mean, I would tell him this, be like, well, first off, I haven't killed anyone now. Oh. So, hey, 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 we're on the same boat here. I have been angry, so I'm on the same page as a murder, I guess. Hey, you talk about, I was saying a group last night uh, how Paul said, hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I told my group, I was like, hey, how about you just imitate Christ? Paul can say that because he's Paul. I'm not telling you to imitate me because, of, and, and there was a guy that I had in college. His name's Elmer Towns. He's still alive, Liberty University. He's kind of a, a celebrity at Liberty. He's been there for decades. And I used to think, I was like, man, God has used him for so much, but this guy is so arrogant. I used to hate to hear him teach or preach. And Jimmy Banton, when he was going through his classes at Liberty, said, I got Elmer Towns. And I was like, oh. And, and I told him what I thought. He's like, well, I haven't seen any of that. I've really enjoyed it. He comes back to me months later. He's like, man, I finally see what you mean. He said, he said Elmer Towns was teaching out of a passage of the gospel and how Jesus said something and then followed it up with, I wouldn't have said it that way if I was him. I would have said it this way. Yeah. And literally, he was like, dude was correcting Jesus. I mean, I wouldn't have said in the beginning. I would have said once upon a time, before time existed, once upon a not time. At the start. Um, But literally, I was like, 
Ah, hey, you, you know see. what's funny? Because there are pastors online, like if you're reading through different articles, that are use their accomplishments as, hey, yes, this is this is my is credibility. Hunt. Hey, uh, my name is Hoensa. I've been in ministry for 20 years. I have three PhDs. I pastor a multi-side church here in the South. It's like, oh, I'm done with you already. I don't even care what you have to say. It's well, like, you remember I, you out. and I went to that I'm one-day out. thing, and we left halfway through it because it was Johnny Hunt <laughs> basically talking about how awesome Johnny Hunt is. Yeah, it's like, dude, I don't care. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> We left halfway through. We're like, this wasn't worth it. We're out of here. <laughs> yeah, now look where he's at. <laughs> oh, that's the truth. That's the truth. Jerk. All right, we've bantered at the beginning. Yeah, of the yeah sorry. We got off the rails there, Larry. My apologies, buddy. We love you. Yeah. GrassroostW.com, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, if you made it this far. Yeah, awesome. Want to know how I know you're awesome? Because you're made in the image of a God who loves you, wants to be with you, and satisfy you forever. Love you guys. Love you guys.